Hey everyone, welcome to the Amateur Gourmet Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Roberts, the Amateur Gourmet, and I'm so excited about today's episode. I say that a lot, but I'm really excited about today's episode because we have the ultimate pie guru, Kate McDermott, on the podcast. Now, if you know anything about me or you've been following me over the years, you'll know that I am very insecure when it comes to making pie. In fact, when I go into the kitchen, knowing I'm going to make a pie, I get very, very nervous. And I've gotten a little better at it, but I'm no pie master. Well, Kate is the is one of the most respected pie makers in America. I'm not just making that up. If you go to her website, you can see some of the blurbs about her books, including The Art of Pie and Pie Camp. Um, Publishers Weekly said it's one of the best books written on the topic. And Ruth Reichel says, I've been baking pies my entire life, but making them with Kate was a liberating experience. With pioneer spirit, she throws the textbook out the window and comes up with absolutely perfect crust filled with fruit that actually sings to you, telling you when it's ready to be removed from the oven. So I'm not going to waste your time anymore. I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation. Here is my pie episode with Kate McDermott. Well, Kate, thank you so much for doing my podcast. I'm a big fan of yours. Nice to meet you again. It's or- great to meet you too, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I said again because we just met before I hit record, but we haven't met in real life. So, yeah. um, well, I'm really glad to have you on because I've been cooking for about 15, 16 years and I've gotten pretty good at like basic things, chicken, chocolate chip cookies, pasta, pie is my downfall. Pie intimidates me pie scares me. Um, I've made some good pies, but I don't feel confident about it. And you are the pie guru. So it's an honor to have you here so we could talk about pie. But I think as a first question, I guess I would ask you, how did you get into pie? Uh, Well, I've always baked. Um, I have, I definitely have, I have a few more years than 15 or 16 in the kitchen. (laughs) I've been, um, basically in the kitchen since I was a little girl. And I started by um, baking both as my grandmother, who was a tremendous pie maker. Every family seems to have a pie maker. So, you know, she was one of my uh, inspirations. And then the lady next door, Sadie, who um, my, the family business (laughs) <laughs> was a mortuary I grew up like six feet under Adam oh wow I didn't know that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh Sadie and her husband were the caretakers in the mortuary and I used to go up to her their 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 place their apartment in the mortuary at, you know when I was a little girl and I learned to bake without um measuring equipment just you know with a coffee cup not a mug but a coffee cup and spoons from the drawer and you know so I had baking was always something that was just like, oh, we bake, you know, it was no big Mm -hmm. deal. And then, you know, pie was something that came came along with that because I just watched people do that. And, you know, so um, I just I just love to make pie and and share (laughs) with others. (laughs) Now, you're are you from Washington State or is that where you live now? No, I grew up in Santa Barbara. Oh, okay. I was imagining like you growing up on a farm somewhere. Santa Barbara is not where I expected. No, uh, <laughs> my family had been in Santa Barbara. Oh, there's actually still a McDermott mortuary in Santa Barbara. Really? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, maybe maybe, maybe I'll maybe I'll go there when I when I kick the bucket. I'll I'll I'll, 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 I'll put it in my yeah. will. <laughs> and when uh when my uh first book came out, we had um actually I think when the second book came out. We did a 
a pie social at the mortuary. Really? Yeah, it was great. <laughs> People brought pies and I told stories about my family in Santa Barbara and my grandmother and God knows what else, you know, and it was really, it was really fun. I, I sort of had this idea like, <laughs> well, like here's a coffin and you're going to put the pies on it. <laughs> This this feels like a reality show. I feel like this needs to be like on um, like or or maybe like a like sequel to Six Feet Under. Um, oh, but there is you yeah. do that though. Yeah. yeah, I mean there is something interesting about the contrast of death and pie making because pie making just feels like such a life affirmative thing to do. Like it's uh-huh. taking like the bounty of the earth and putting it into this thing that you're making by hand, and it just feels so much about life. And then to do that next door to a mortuary just feels. <laughs> kind of amazing and it kind of speaks to maybe the power of pi. Um, mm-hmm. What I was going to say though is I grew up to a Jewish family in New York and in Florida and I personally believe pi is not a Jewish thing. Like in my family, we didn't eat any pie. Um, I don't remember seeing pie growing up. Like we would have cake. Cake was everywhere. Coffee cake, you know, Entenmann's cake. Uh, coconut cake. So all that kind of stuff is what I grew up with. However, I married into a pie family. My husband's family is from Washington state and his father makes an extraordinary apple pie. And I had to learn to keep up. Um, Mm -hmm. So let's get into the nitty gritty. I mean, there's a lot to talk about here. Um, For starters, like, where do you think most people go wrong when they make a pie? Oh, well, the first thing is believing that they can't do it. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think, that. I think yeah. you will succeed at whatever you believe. Mm-hmm. So you you know even if you fail, if that's what you feel that you're going to do, then you've succeeded, right? You know. <laughs> right. No, it's true. I think I think pie. I, I tweeted once that pie can smell fear, and it's like I think oh, yeah, it, dog pie, can smell fear. Yeah. yeah. I think there is something to that. So I think um, believing that you can do something, it really is pretty easy. Uh, it's it's awfully nice if you have a grandmother to stand by who can show you that and you know kind of in the classes or whether they're virtual or in-person classes I kind of have taken on that mantle of being you know the auntie or the grandma or somebody Mm -hmm. that's that's passing on a craft Um, but I think if we if we really break it down into some some easy steps and kind of keep your eye on the goal that it's you're we're making pie and not to get caught up in oh my god look it's a cracked edge and I'm like well and and there's there's a break here it's like you know this looks like a wrinkle it's like well I have plenty of those you know and I'm still <laughs> so I think um, just keeping your eye on the pie so to speak and not on the on the step that might you think might have gone wrong but probably hasn't because there's fixes there's fixes for everything in life you know well you know you know where I started to do better was when I realized that it was okay to work the dough a little more than I had been um, as long as everything is cold like that that's where like I know I know pie teachers are always saying keep everything cold keep everything cold and I didn't quite understand that until I didn't do that and it got it got a gummy mess and it was just disgusting. So yeah. now I try to keep everything cold, but but where I really get intimidated and I'm curious to hear what you have to say about this is like when you, when you kind of dump, I mean, I kind of do it in a food processor. So when you, when you kind of dump the sandy mixture onto the um, cutting board or the 
thing and then you try to bring it together. Mm -hmm. That's where I had to learn that it's okay to work it a little bit to kind of make it come together because then it will roll out mm -hmm. because I think I was afraid to bring it all together. And then therefore, when I try to roll it out, it was still kind of crumbly. What do you think of that? Yeah. Well, I think that uh, <laughs> Joe gets a bad rap of being difficult and like, you know, finicky and you can't, you know, like, oh, you can only do this once or, you know, whatever. It's like, you know, like, I have had those that, you know, it's just, I'm going to put that together again in classes. I've had mm -hmm. have times where somebody says, this is not working. And I'm going to, they're just going to, and I say, not to worry, let's just like pull that back together mm. and, you know, say some nice words. I always say to people say, I love my dough and my dough loves me. <laughs> <laughs> you might try that, but then, you know, to start rolling again. And there are, so water is being chilled and the water but you know i don't know if you know that one of my favorite rules in pie making um is to keep everything chilled especially yourself oh that's good wow this is like again like you are the guru i feel like i've climbed a mountain a ah! pie mountain <laughs> well, I bet you, yeah you're gonna come here sometime and make pie with me which would be well, really yeah i'd love to where are you where, where do you live I'm in Port Angeles, Washington. I'm on the Olympic Peninsula. I'm right across from Victoria, British Columbia. You know, I, I literally can work, look out the window and like, oh, there's yeah. the water and there's Vancouver Island. And if I look out this, this window, oh, there's Hurricane Ridge in Olympic National Park. It, Gorgeous. You know. I mean, I've actually been there because my, my partner is a filmmaker and his very first feature was about a camping trip in the Olympic Peninsula. So I went on the location scouting trip where we went camping and we saw um, that beautiful like rock formation and I forget where that was, but um, you live in a very beautiful part of the world. I so. do. And you were yeah. here and you didn't even stop by. <laughs> this was like 15 years ago. <laughs> I know. Well, okay. So I, I, wow. I mean, so many directions to go in. I guess, I guess as a starting point, how much of um, pie making, I, I thought it was interesting when you said like be chill, like as a person, like, and as we're talking, like, I feel like you are probably not as high strung or anxious as I am as a person. So how much do you think of pie making is almost like intrinsic to your nature? Uh, well, I would say actually I am a type A. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You just don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just met you. So yeah. <laughs> um, I think I can tell a lot uh, about somebody by how they handle their dough. Mm -hmm. uh, if they overwork it, if they, you know, and overworking is like kneading it like bread. Okay? Right, right. They're, yeah. They're futzing with it so much that all the fats are melting. Say, yeah, you had some uh, you had cold fats to start with. And by the end of the time, it's like, you know, butter starts getting soft at 59 and suddenly your dough, it feels like it's 69 and 70 and it's like a greasy mess. Yes. I would have problems with that. Everybody would have problems rolling that out. So, you know, I'll, I'll come around to somebody and say, you know, just, uh, and we'll talk about something else, you know, like yeah. I'll say, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll have them look at, um, a beautiful flower on the table. And, mm. and, you know, how beautiful that is. And we'll talk about, you know, their kids or we'll talk about, you know, what's your favorite sport? And suddenly right. they're talking about this while they're working with doughs. And then they'll look and go, oh, my God, I just made dough. Yes. It's just a thing. It's not hard. I get that. Yeah. And it's funny because like I did my favorite kind of cooking on Sunday. I went to the farmer's market and I bought basil and garlic and all kinds of stuff. And I was cooking. I was realizing I was in the kitchen. I was just like pulling leaves off the basil stem and sort of making the pesto. And like 
and just sort of, it was so second nature. I, I wasn't even conscious of what I was doing. And, and I think that's why like my savory cooking is good because I'm sort of relaxed and just enjoying myself. So it, it does make sense that like your temperament and your frame of mind have as much to do with your success as um, your skill set or your talent, you know, so. And when you started doing that, you probably, you know, the first things that you made, you were probably like, oh, overthinking. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Oh. I was so nervous. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. the thing about, I find, you know, I, I could make a pie in my sleep <laughs> uh, because I've made, you know, so many tens of thousands of them, Oh my but God. that is, it didn't always start like that. You know, and mm -hmm. I have had my share, I have had my fair share of failures, just like everybody does, you know, well, that's good to hear. Yeah. Um, well, I think, I, I think what I'd like to do with you now is walk through a pie um, if that's okay with you. Um, and so what I would like to do is like start at the farmer's market. Like if I, if I'm at the farmer's market on Sunday, which I was just there and like, I saw berries, I saw um, plums, I saw peaches, nectarines. So is that where you start? You start to start, start with the fruit or the filling, like yeah. what you want to make. And yeah. is it always seasonal? Uh, that is ideal to have seasonal, seasonal fruit, but what you want, Adam is pie worthy fruit. Mm. So at the farmer's market, which is, you know, one of my favorite places to, to buy fruit, mm -hmm. unless it's a neighborhood where I'm, you know, I'm walking around and I know I have picking rights on certain trees. <laughs> oh but, yeah. We have, we have a fig tree in our neighborhood that's on the street and I kind of want to pull the figs off of it, but it's somebody's tree. So I haven't done it. Well, that. if you make a pie, you can say, I'll make you a fig tart or something like that. Could oh, I that's okay. a good idea. So, but when I go to the farmer's markets, I'm, I want to taste the fruit mm. and so i'll look as to see you know like who's who where's the big rush of mm -hmm. their people like you know because the farmers market buyers are pretty savvy mm -hmm. and they'll they know like okay there's peaches or cherries that come in like at one week of the year and they're going to want to be first in line there and then you see everybody else so you're like that's fruit i'm interested in okay mm -hmm. Um, and always, I always ask for taste, you know, you can mm -hmm. also walk around with a little refractometer, you know, and, and, and measure the soluble sugar level. Wait, <laughs> what? I never oh, even yeah, heard of I that. Used, oh, I used to do that. I have a refractometer and I used to go to the farmer's markets and I would, it's called Brixing, B-R-I-X. I would brix the fruit to see what is the soluble sugar level. And I actually have a, um, a little black, a little black book where I would like go and bring home, you know, five different, say I had, there were five different apples or 10 different apples. And I would actually bricks the apples to see and design a pie based on, you know, some. Wow. Sort of I had no idea that that was possible that you could well, do you that. Can. It's a little obsessive. I told you. That's <laughs> but the, in terms of us, like people. normal humans, who just do this right. day to day. Is, are we looking for, yeah. yeah here's ripe? what you're going to do, yeah. Adam. Here's what yeah. you're going to do. Okay. You know, the kids at the farmer's market and they're taking, you know, like all those tastes of the fruit. Yeah. Okay. You're going to follow the little kids. <laughs> oh yeah. And get arrested back for more and more. <laughs> That's fruit. You should be interested in. Yeah. But if they're going, if they're taking a taste and then they're like, that's also fruit you should be interested in for a different reason. Yes. So you want that pie worthy fruit that's got that great flavor. If you don't have of high flavor fruit, don't yeah. waste your money because uh, no amount of sugar or seasoning is going to save that pie. I had a nectarine from the farmer's market that had just ripened in my fruit bowl in the kitchen and I bit into it yesterday. It was 
so good. It was tasted that an like, oh my God moment? Yes, it was. It really was. It was like, I didn't know like a fruit could taste this good. But my question about the fruit is how ripe should it be? Like, should it be fully ripe and almost like soft for a pie? Or should it be a little less than that? Maybe a little firmer? It depends on if you're going to make that pie today or whether you're going to make that in three days. Okay. So if you're going to make that pie today, go for the dead ripe fruit. Okay. Dead. Oh yeah, I see. The one that's really ripe and fragrant. The one that's and... really ripe. Yeah. Yeah. And then if it's, you know, if you're going to make it in, you know, three days or four days, you know, a peach um, takes a, a few days to soften up some. You don't mm -hmm. want to put a, a piece of a fruit in there that's, you know, rock hard. Right. Do you know how to pick peaches? Uh, choose a peach. Yeah. Like, you know how to choose I, I mean, I smell them. Is that right? That smell is good, but also look at the uh, where the stem comes out. Uh -huh. You should see no green there. You should see gold coming out. You should see okay. some of that coming. If you see green by the stem, it's been picked too soon. Got it. They like tree ripen, and you see it at the store, and it's like totally green there. Mm -hmm. uh -uh. Look for the gold coming out on the hips. That's helpful. I mean, and is it better to have a tree ripened fruit than to get a fruit that's not fully ripened, let it ripen in your kitchen? Well, you can have it as long as with peaches or nectarines, uh, as long as you see that gold coming out, uh, if it's if it's not fully ripe when you get it, mm -hmm. then let it sit on the counter. Okay, okay. so that it can soften up some. Um, and with your dead ripe fruit, you know, you want that gold and you want it to, and, you know, oh, yeah. bite into it. So you had that with the nectarine. It's that moment yeah. where the, the juice is dripping oh, yeah. your chin and you're, and you're saying, <laughs> oh my God, you know, that's, that's what yeah. we all hope for. And what about mixing and matching fruit for pie? Like, I mean, do you grab raspberries and peaches and blackberries and just say, I'm going to mix this all together? Or do you tend to try to stick to one fruit at a time? I... Uh, I mix everything. So uh, yes, I will make a, a, a straight peach pie, which actually that is my favorite pie. That oh, is a, a fresh that peach sounds good. pie. Yeah. Is, there's nothing like it, but I'll make peach raspberry, peach blackberry. I'll make like black and blue pies, which would mm -hmm. be blackberry and blueberries. Yeah. Um, anything. I've made rhubarb and banana pies. Really? Oh yeah, it's great. Rhubarb and banana. I can't even imagine that combination. Oh, it's, it's really good. Do you, you know, cook it's the you banana in the pie? No. no. Oh. Well, you, yeah, you, you, it bakes in the pie with the rhubarb. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. But you uh, can, yeah. uh, I, I really, whatever is there and whatever I have around is what I'll make. And so, you know, and then I make clean out the freezer pies. Oh, really? Because you keep fruit yeah. in the freezer too? Oh, I do. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. Like berries and things like that. You can yes, freeze. I have right now in my freezer, I have some gooseberries. I have, um, I've got some peaches I saw that are still in there that I'm going to, um, I'm going to use and there's some blackberries in there. So, you know, I think that would be a tremendous pie. You know, whatever I, know, I have, yeah. just put it in there. And do you slice the fruit and um, freeze it on, like, on a cookie sheet and then save it in, like, in freezer bags? Yes. And how long How long does it last for? Well, um, usually we say like around six months, eight months. But oh, I great. Think, um, you know, but also use some common sense. If it looks like it's got freezer burn or it looks like it's all crystallized in there and it looks really funky, you know, don't use it. You know, no matter <laughs> what. But yeah. if it's been in there for a year and it still looks decent, you know, like I would use it. 
Right. Because, yeah, you're going to bake with it anyway. So yeah. probably kill any germs. Okay. So let's get into the kitchen now. So we brought back our fruit and we're going to start making the pie crust. So do you use all butter? Do you use Crisco? Do you use, um, what's your, what's your fat of choice for a pie? Uh, well, I love using a mixture uh, that's half butter and half leaf lard. Mm -hmm. Leaf lard is, you know, for those who don't know, that's the fat that's around the pig's kidneys. um, And it's highly prized by by pie makers. But I also uh, love a good all butter crust. Mm -hmm. And for those who, you know, so I I teach both. But also I have people who come into the classes and uh, they're vegan or whatever. So, you know, we'll do a pie that's made with uh, a vegan butter or you mm. know, something like that. So, uh, and on occasion, you know, like if somebody says, can I make a pie with, with Crisco? And I used to be like, oh my God, you know, like, <laughs> but you know what? Like get over it, Kate. If somebody wants to make it with Crisco, then fine. You know, yeah. it's, don't, don't let anything limit you from, from making the pie. I'm actually cooking for a vegan on Saturday. So I've never even heard of vegan pie. So does that come out pretty well with the vegan butter? It's yeah, it's a little different, you know, you're yeah. not going to get the lovely, the loveliness of, you know, the rich flavor of the butter, but you know, right. hey, you'll be eating pie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So we get the, we get our butter, we get our lard, we get that out of the fridge. I mean, actually, I think we skipped a step because you come home with the fruit. So if you're making yeah. your famous peach pie, are you boiling the peaches and peeling the skin off for that? Here, I'll, I'll talk to you how to make a pie. Okay. That's probably a better way to do this. So we make, it's one thing. Okay. Pie. Yes. Okay. And there's two parts of it, dough and filling. Yeah. And each part of those has four elements. So the dough, it's the four elements are flour, salt, fat, and water. Mm-hmm. And over on the fruit side, on the filling side, there are also four things, fruit, sweetener, seasoning, and thickener. Mm. So all of those especially in your filling, I mean, that gives you a huge amount of, of variation. You can mm-hmm. have like thousands of variations in there, you know, what kind of sugar you're going to use, what kind of fruit, what kind of seasonings, you know, all of this and what kind of thickener. Mm-hmm. But basically, uh, say it's the peach pie. Well, I, I do not peel peaches. You know, mm-hmm. I, it, uh, some people do, some people will put them into, um, you know, the boiling water for yeah. You know, X amount of seconds or whatever until the skin starts to come off. I don't, and I don't find that it um, that it's uh, it's anything that I worry about in the pie. It kind of dissolves in there. Yeah, uh, I think that's true. And also, some I, I'm glad you said this because I've done a peach or like nectarine pie before or galette, where not only does it dissolve, but sometimes it gives it a cool color. Like if, it, if there's yeah. red on the skin, like it will kind of tint the pie, like a, a nice reddish color, which is cool. Oh, apples do too. Like you know. Mm-hmm. There's an, uh, an apple called a, an Arkansas black and the skin oh, yeah. is very, very dark. And if you, mm-hmm. I, I do the same thing with apples, if the, um, I'll leave the skin on for most apples in those dark skins, they bleed into the pie mm-hmm. and you have this little pink pocket there. It's I beautiful. love it. That's great. Okay. So then I cut the peaches into a size that I can comfortably get into my mouth. Okay. Okay. Got and it. any fruit is basically that. And then I add a sweetener. And so I'll fill the pie pan up um, and I want it to be, you know, like about a half inch from the rim. So uh, the fruit, I'll actually measure measure the fruit right into the pie pan. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. And then I'll add uh, sugar based on the sweetness of the fruit. 
you know, for a peach pie, it's usually around, you know, half a, half a cup, three quarters of a cup, but I've had some peaches that have been so sweet that it's been like a quarter cup or even less. And do you need the sugar in there to help thicken, or is that just the thickener that does it? It's that's the thickener that does that. This is for the flavor. It's for the it, flavor. Okay. You want it to, uh, when you add the, the sweetener and the seasoning, which would be next, which would be like a little bit of salt, a little pinch of salt, uh, maybe a little grating of nutmeg. Mm -hmm. I like to put a little bit of Cointreau, an orange mm. liqueur in there. It's yeah. Good, you know, those, the sweetener and the seasoning should exalt the, the taste mm -hmm. of the fruit. I like that. Um, and then I put the thickener in, mm -hmm. which can either be flour or tapioca or cornstarch. And sometimes I'll combine two if it's super juicy fruit. And I kind of mix it up and I take a taste. And if it makes me want to have a second taste, then I'm there. Wow. And I roll and, out my dough and put yeah. it in, roll out the top, fix it you're up. Making, you're making this sound very easy, but I have a question. Um, how, what is the difference between like cornstarch as a thickener, tapioca as a thickener, and flour as a thickener? Mm -hmm. Well, they all have a job to do, obviously, which is to thicken the pie. Um, flour um, is, uh, let, actually, let me back up. Uh, tapioca and cornstarch have twice the thickening power of flour. Okay. So uh, first of all, you're going to need less thickener, which, you know, that's not really doesn't matter in there. You have to use the right amount for whatever you need. And uh, so two tablespoons of uh, tapioca or tapioca starch um, is the same as four tablespoons or a quarter cup of flour. Mm -hmm. um, I use like cornstarch in like cherry pies, it keeps it everything nice and shiny. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I will, I will say that um, tapioca, actually quick cooking tapioca is a pie maker's best friend. Really? I've never used it before. And, and the thing with all the thickeners, so, you know, even if I'm putting in flour for an apple or a pear pie, is you've got to see the steady bubbling coming through the vents and some steaming to know that your filling inside has actually come to a boil. Mm. If you don't see that, and I actually get my ear down to listen on a full top pie um, to see, to hear, can I hear the filling coming up and hitting the bottom of the upper crust. And if I can, then I know my filling is boiling and that's what you've got to do. Otherwise the thickener can't do its work. It's got to get to a, th a certain temperature for it to thicken up and let the pie cool completely. Yes, that's a it big can. step, right? Really letting it come back to like- That's probably the hardest part. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. pie making is, you know, like waiting, waiting to eat it because you want to dig into it and it's still too hot and you'll have like a soupy, a soupy mess, you know? Um, now some fruits feel like they have secrets. Like, um, I had Jesse Sheehan, um, the cookbook author on last week, and she was talking about a blackberry loaf cake that I made from her book. And she was talking about how many times she had to test it because the blackberries gave off so much liquid that she had to keep adjusting the cake. So for me, like at home, if I was using your method and I, let's say I bought a bunch of blackberries and I was tossing them in sugar and tasting and salt, and then I was adding the thickener, would I just have to know because you can't really tell visually or even by tasting how much thickener you would need if the fruit that you're using might be 
liable to give off way more juice or, or liquid than like an apple or like a plum, you know? So how do you, is it just from experience that you know that? Yes, it is from experience. This is why when you're using recipes, you want to go to somebody who really has a track record in mm -hmm. like, they know their particular field. Right. Uh, you know, and there's, there's some really good pie makers out there who have some excellent books. Um, and that I would say, you know, like, here's someone, here's someone, here's someone. Well, you're, you're one of the main ones. So oh, thank you. People should buy your books. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> and what I have found is that, yes, there are having made pies and taught pie making since 2008 um, with so many different kinds of fruit. Uh, I can pretty much tell you based on, um, you know, the, 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 the particular fruit and the size of your pie pan, how much thickener that you're going to need. And that's mm -hmm. what I would talk about in, uh, especially in, you know, actually Art of the Pie and also in Pie Camp. I have a whole chart in Pie mm. Camp that will say, okay, for this size pie pan, or mm -hmm. uh, here's how much thicker, thickener you need for this particular fruit. Mm -hmm. And the other thing you want to know is, you know, take a good look at that fruit and think about um, sometimes the weather will have a, a, a part in this too. Uh, so I'll give you this, I'll tell you this little story is I was buying rhubarb for at a farmer's market for a weekend of classes. I was getting like 35 pounds or something like that for a series of classes. And uh, the farmer said to me, Kate, when you use this rhubarb, be sure to put in a little extra thickener because we've had a very wet spring and this is the first pick. Mm. And it's like, wow, I hadn't even thought about that one is that uh, that's the kind of farmer at the farmer's market I want to be buying from who knows his fruit so well that can say they're really, this is really, really juicy today. Mm. So you want to put in a little bit of extra. I love that. That's great. So, okay. So now let's get to the crust um, or the pie dough itself. Mm -hmm. Now I know that there's different methodologies and the one that I'd like to get better at is using your hands to make the, the dough, which I imagine is what you do. Is that how you mostly make pie? Yeah, mostly, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm fluent in both. <laughs> I'm fluent right. in a uh, food processor and by hand. Uh, yeah. And the, what I want to have it feel like when it's uh, put together, I put my cold ingredients, actually, I freeze my flour for mm. my, uh, so I, and then I, I will put that into the bowl. Um, and then I'll put my salt in there. Mm -hmm. and then I'll cut up the fats. And I will smush, I will smush it with my hands to kind of work it through. Uh, and, and actually the pieces of fat that I'm putting in there are fairly large. And I want to have um, them worked through so that they look like uh, cracker crumbs, peas, almonds, and, you know, maybe a walnut meat. Mainly it's a sea of cracker crumbs with a few almonds and, you know, some mm -hmm. of the, not too many of the larger ones. And 
And then, I'll, or you can also drag a fork through there when it starts to feel, oh, actually wait for a second here. Then you start adding the water. Mm-hmm. And I do that incrementally with my ice water. And I do like a three, two, one. I'll start with three tablespoons of water, kind of move it around. It's not mixing like you would for cookies or, or cake. Mm-hmm. It's really just making sure that the water has visited all parts of the bowl. Like, okay, mm-hmm. mix, 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 out. And then I put two in, mix, 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 out. And then I put, and then I go by ones. And when I start to feel that the fork is dragging a little in there, it's like, oh, that's a little heavier. And I feel like, oh, I'm almost there. I'll take a squeeze of the dough and give it a nice little firm handshake and then wiggle my fingers. If it falls apart, I need more water. Mm-hmm. If I can see an indentation of my fingers in there, then I'm probably close to being done. And then, you know, I just sort of add as I need to. Sometimes there's a little dry spot or so, so I can all pull my dough up, you know, like, oh, put a little down here, a little over here, sprinkle a little. When I can form it into a ball, uh, then it should feel like cool clay. Mm. It should feel like I could pat a baby's bottom. Question, and this is probably my biggest question that I don't know the answer to about pie. Why is it bad to add too much water to a pie? You'll get cardboard. Okay. But because I, okay. So I'm going to try to rewind the tape for a second because I want our listeners who maybe haven't made a pie before who, because I, for years, like I, I knew the instruction to keep everything cold, but I was like one of those bratty kids who's like, I don't need to do that. I just want to get started. So what I do understand about the pie crust is that if you keep everything cold and you do what you just said and get pea pieces and walnut pieces and then you just bring it together and roll it out you're creating like these little pockets of fat that when they hit the oven are going to melt and puff up and create a flaky crust so I get that part but why does adding too much water impede that or what happens with the water that makes that stop uh when we mix flour and water together we make gluten Gluten is your friend in bread, but gluten is not your friend in pie dough. So when we say don't overwork the dough, we're basically saying don't make gluten. Don't <laughs> you have to have enough so that your dough is going to hold together, but not so much that it becomes cardboard. So my grandmother would say, don't worry the dough. <laughs> It's like, you know, uh, the watch pot never boils, you know, overwork something. And this is when I can tell people who are bread makers at my baking counter, if they're like, "Mm," you know, and they say, oh, yeah, and their hands go back in. And I say, you know, are you a bread maker? And they say, yeah. And I say, well, get your hot hands out of the bowl right now. (laughs) But if you because if you keep working it and keep working it, Adam, Mm -hmm. all you're doing is making gluten. And right. it becomes tough. So after we've made the dough, then you want to give it a period of time to chill those fats down again and also for the gluten strands to relax. Mm-hmm. So the minimum, that's why we put it in the, the fridge to chill for you know a couple hours. The minimum amount of time is 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that answers a lot of questions. I mean, I guess to me, there's a difference between like adding water and working it, but um, but just adding that, that water activates the flour, which, or uh, activates the gluten in the flour. So that, okay, okay. That's very helpful. Cause in my mind, my biggest challenge is to make it come together. And so I've always wondered like, why don't I just add more water and I'll make it easier to come together. But then you're, you're making cardboard basically. 
Well, you know, it's like, it's not like there's one golden place in here that's like, there it is. And if you miss it, you failed. There's a, I call it a dough plateau. Okay. <laughs> so okay. here's, here's like, oh, I'd love to be right here, but maybe you're a little on the dry side over here. Maybe you're a little on the wet side over here. Okay. Both, all of those will work. But if you go too far over to the dry side, you will also have a very tough and like a cardboard dough. And mm. if you go too far over to the wet side, you will have a very cardboard dough. So you do have a little wiggle room up there on the top. And what I would suggest that you do is make as many attempts at this as you can. And uh, if it feels like, well, I put in uh, this much water this time and it worked really well, maybe I'll back off a little bit next time. Mm -hmm. and, see. and then maybe you go way too far over here, but nothing ventured, nothing gained, right? And I it's love that, yeah. That's really helpful. I mean, I, this is totally a sidebar question. How many sticks of butter do you have in your fridge at a time? About 10. <laughs> I have about 10 pounds of butter in my fridge at any given time. That's a lot of butter. Yeah. And uh, in and my freezer, I have 80. 80 sticks of butter? I have 80 pounds of butter. 80 pounds of butter. Oh, my God. And, then, um, and I also have uh, half that same amount of leaf lard in the butter. Wow. And do you recommend a certain kind of butter for pie? Well, I love Irish butter. I mm -hmm. love Kerrygold butter. Kerrygold. I've seen a lot of bakers that I admire use Kerrygold. So and I use both salted and unsalted butter. Mm -hmm. you know? My grandmother used uh, a salted butter. She used salted. And uh, that's what we had growing up. Not Kerrygold, of course, but mm -hmm. uh, we had salted butter growing up. So unsalted butter was like a whole new thing. And Kerrygold has a higher fat content. So does that a help the pie? stay um extra flaky does does that work towards your it sure vision? makes it taste good with that extra <laughs> in there yeah. okay so now we got to the part where you we we let it rest in the refrigerator and now we get, get to this moment where i think it's sort of like being on the edge of the diving board where you're looking down at the pool and like you're terrified to jump off when you're a kid and it's like that's me at the at the i have a big wooden cutting board which is what i use and i dust it with flour i get the dough out i plop it on and i dust it with flour i I test my rolling pin with flour and then I whack it. Is that right? Yeah. You know, uh, but there's one step you need to do before then is the dough a rollable temperature. Hmm. If it's hard as rock, you're not going to be able to roll it. And if it's so, so, so soft, it's going to just stick to your pin, even with that flour, you know? So what I do is I call it the belly button test. Mm-hmm. And if I can stick my finger in there and see the indentation and it still feels cool, that's a rollable temperature. Mm -hmm. That's Do very helpful. I'm sure I've, I've hidden yeah. some rocks before with my rolling pin. So that's. Oh gosh. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And then I just kind of like, it's a conductor at the stand. You just, mm -hmm. are we ready to roll? Okay. It, it tells you. Um, my other major issue when rolling out dough. So, okay. So I, I've gotten to the place now I'm, I could jump off the diving board. I can be somewhat confident. Um, I cannot get a circle. For me. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. I, I roll from the center out, rotate a little roll from the center out. So I'm pushing from the center away from me and then rotating. Is that sort yeah. of what you do? Yeah. So what I do is um, I will roll. I will always roll from the center 
um, and then I will leave a little lip. So, you know, I'm not going all the way out to the edge. So about mm -hmm. a half inch to an inch. And then I, uh, so I'll roll out. I lift my pin. I come back to the center and then I pull back to me. Oh, okay. Then I turn. And then, so I'm going, you know, full 180 uh, each time, you know, all the way across, mm -hmm. right? Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, turning. Then when I get to about seven inches or so, seven, eight inches, then I'll start going out from the center, like the spokes of a wheel of a bicycle. Mm, okay. okay. And, but I've also heard that if you roll out with a smaller pin, yeah. that you can get a rounder circle. Um, I don't, I don't really have any small pins. Well, actually I have the one that my son had when he was two, <laughs> a little Brio pin and I still have it, you know, and it, it yeah. looks great for some things. So um, that's what I do. And then I don't worry about, is it perfectly round or not? Because, you know, as long as it, I have enough mass of dough to uh, drape into my pie pan. Mm -hmm. Do you ever worry about like the cracked edges or things? Um, not so much. I, I get freaked out if like I'm trying to make a circle and then it looks like a, like a map of America. Like that's often what I end up with is like it's not even like even if it's not perfect, it's not even like layable in the pie pan because it's like it became like a rectangle with weird like sometimes I just don't know what happened. But I think I've gotten a little better about rotating and watching it as I go. Um, but my next question is the a lot of recipes I've seen like have you like drape it in and then put that in the freezer while you roll out, like like the freezing and the chilling of the dough throughout this step. Um, it seems like a lot of extra work, but do you think that's important to refrigerate and freeze the dough as you go? I think use common sense. If it's a hot day, if it's a hot, if you've got hot hands, if the dough is melting for goodness sake, yes, stop what you're doing and put it into the fridge. Okay. I put it into the fridge. Uh, and just so it chills up and that, and, you know, have a martini, you know, okay. while you're waiting something. Yeah, that sounds great. So that, so that you chill down too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's funny to talk to you because it's like, obviously this is very casual for you, but it comes from experience. It comes from having done this many times, which by the way, I mean, th that's true of anything. I think in life is like anything you're nervous about, anything you don't think you're good at, you just got to do a lot of it and then you get better at it. So never, you know, the reason that I can do this is because I have made every mistake possible yes. and each one of those mistakes has taught me mm -hmm. what not to do yes. but i have made every mistake possible what was your biggest pie fiasco oh ah uh, <laughs> well um there have been many. <laughs> um, i would say that one of the saddest ones was um um, I was meeting a great nephew for the first time. Uh, well, there's always a, a forgetting to put salt in the dough. If you mm -hmm. don't put salt in the dough, it tastes awful, you know, mm. uh, and there's no amount of like, you don't want to, it's hard. You don't want to apologize to people about, it, but that one, you know, it's like, there's no salt in the dough. It's like, oh my God, <laughs> it really is awful. But I was anyway, going back to, I was meeting my great nephew for the first time. And he was, he was like four years old and we wanted to make pie. So we went to the store, we got everything, we got a brand new pie pan and it was a beautiful apple pie and we pulled it out of the oven and I've never had this happen before and it happened there and the Pyrex pan exploded. <gasps> oh no. 
It just exploded like, in the, like on the stovetop? So um, I put it down on a cool, not cold. It was just, you know, like ambient temperature. And it was actually in Florida. I put it down. <laughs> and um, the apparently the, the temperature of the pan and that counter, they didn't like each other. So then I talked to the folks at, um, you know, the manufacturer and they said, um, never put it down on anything wet, never put it down on anything but a, a dry cloth. Mm, good lesson. So did the four-year-old freak out? Yes. Oh. I mean, he was good. You know, he was more sad. He didn't freak out in a way of like, oh, you know, yeah. we're all, I'm, I'm just glad that nobody got it, it. It shatters into these little square things. It's really interesting. Yeah. Wow, and, that's um, a good story, though. Oh yeah. So right. then, but you know, the next day we just went out and got a different, a different pie pan, uh -huh. and made a different, and made another pie. All was good. Well, there you go. Um, okay, but I don't want to, I don't want to lose the end of this pie making process because we're about to get to the part that I'm truly terrible at, and I've never done this successfully. So maybe you can help me. Um, okay. I roll the dough into the pie pan. I put the fruit filling in. I roll the top crust. I lay that on. And then I want to make a beautiful crimped edge and somehow, some way I've, I just always mess that up. So what's the secret? Okay. Well, here's, here's an easy thing that you can do is uh, once you've got it, trim off the edge, you know, mm -hmm. so that you have maybe like an inch overhang. Okay? okay. And then you can either take that. So you turn it under, you know, mm -hmm. both the top and the bottom, turn it under. I actually roll them in. So I will take, um, I'll roll both my layers in so that my opening is now facing the center of the pie, but I take it one step further and I roll it a half turn more. So the opening is facing the bottom of the pie. Okay. Mm -hmm. So roll all the way around. Okay. Then if you want it to look uniform, take like the, um, the dowel handle of a, sp of a wooden spoon. Okay. Uh, you know, and just go around the edges or um, you can uh, just take your fingers and, you know, push in this way or, uh, you know, but really, you know, taking your fork is fine. That's what my grandmother did was the fork crimp. Mm -hmm. But if you have a, um, God, do I even have one here? <laughs> I have a little box here. I've got pie stuff up there. I wish people could see this, but um, she is going through a box. She's yeah. looking for something. <laughs> Okay. okay so you can take something like one of my favorite things is like this is like a sculpture tool okay and you know and i can actually take that and go straight around my edges with a little tool and it looks like wow that was you know i've got all sorts of little odd tools that you could do it with or you could take a spoon you know like right down you know so if you want it to be Perfect. Or you can just use a little cocktail fork. You know. <laughs> um, if you want it to look perfect, you know, you're not looking at the you're not looking at the woman who is a perfectionist about that kind of stuff. I, right. People have said to me, I can tell on, on on my pies that I put the the fluting in on myself. They have said, you know, I can tell your pies because it's got a certain look. Mm. It's a signature. The same thing with the vents on top. That's your signature. What kind of vents do you put on your pies? Well, I put three on the top that are like backward C's. Uh-huh. Okay. And then I put a few, like five little upside down V's around the sides. Ah, okay. That does sound very 
unique. Yeah. I, I just do three slits, but maybe That's I'll, maybe I'll shake it up a little. Um, I mean, not to belabor this point, but when, once you do the crimping like that and you get that edge around, sometimes when I stick it in the oven, it all collapses. Like mm -hmm. it kind of just looks like a soggy sag. Like I've had my pie crust, like kind of sag over the side of the, of the pie tin and just you know, it looks like a, a wall fell down. Well, um, now we're coming to rule number two in okay. Kate's, Kate's rules of pie and life are to keep your boundaries. Okay. Now, all pies will, uh, you want to have that edge so that you can actually see a little bit of the pie pan around it. So, so you don't want to have it completely out to the edge. If it's really, really a lot of dough there, and it's not sealed well, it's going to unroll and it's going to go over your edge. I see what you're saying. So keep it closer to the pie tin, the yeah, interior, like where the fruit the is. Interior. Yeah. Yeah. And also you want a well chilled pie to go into a hot oven. Mm. So after you've put it all together, maybe put it into the fridge and preheat the oven. Yeah. So that it, is, has yeah. A sense to, it has a chance to chill back up. Well, there's a real connection I'm starting to realize between a, almost like a Zen, uh, relaxed frame of mind and what's required to make a pie because there's so many steps in terms of like chilling the dough and then rolling it out, but then putting that together and then chilling that and then baking it and then letting it rest for a few. I mean, it's really in terms of like an emotional intelligence test, like the marshmallow test where they put it in front of the kid. It's like the pie, making a pie is the ultimate one. Um, and so... Well, I feel much more confident, by the way. I mean, I, my old podcast was called Lunch Therapy, where people, you know, we talked about what people ate for lunch and, and did some therapy. But um, this is this is like pie therapy. I feel like you've touched a piece of my inner soul. So this is good. Wow, thank you. You know, and there's there is a third rule. Okay, what's the third rule? Vent. What, the, oh, third, what is... the, the third rule of pie and life is to vent appropriately. <laughs> so the three rules are to keep everything chilled, especially yourself. Uh -huh. Rule number two is to keep your boundaries mm -hmm. because those edges can, they'll unfurl and they'll burn underneath where nobody else can see it. Mm -hmm. But it's like us, we can burn if we go past our boundaries. Mm -hmm. Nobody else can see it, but we know that we're burned. So rule number two in pie making in life is to keep your boundaries. Mm -hmm. And number three is to vent appropriately and that's what we do when we do some creative little something on the top i love that wow i mean this is like philosophy psychology and baking all at once so do you brush your pie with egg wash i do i do i usually use an egg white wash okay um, i have found though that you know if it's a i'll sprinkle it with a little sugar Mm -hmm. uh, on savory pies, of course, I don't do the uh, sugar, but you know, sometimes I'll do an egg yolk wash. Mm -hmm. uh, I do a full, full egg, uh, a full egg wash. I've also washed with all the milks, hemp milk, rice milk, soy milk, um, wow. regular milk, half and half, you know, and they all have slightly different looks. Um, and then final question in terms of the sequence, because you've really been generous with walking us through a pie. What are your oven temperatures? Ah, so I put um, a well shelled pie into a 425 oven um, and I'll have it in there for 20 minutes and then I will turn down the oven to 375 and it will finish baking within uh, about 40 minutes. So oh, it's so about an hour, hour bake, depending on, you know, again, use common sense. If you see it steaming all over the place and it's, you see the bubbling, you're done. 
and maybe yeah. it's only 50 minutes or 55 minutes. But what if the crust isn't brown enough at that point? Well, then um, you, I think you'll probably find that after an hour, your crust is, I, if it's not brown enough at, by that point, and you have done the 425, 375, I would call the oven tech to have your oven calibrated. <laughs> okay. That's Got the it. most important part of baking is do you have a well-calibrated, reliable oven? Yeah, that's that's legit. Um, okay, well, now that we're towards the end of our conversation, I'm going to ask you, what are some of your pie pet peeves when you go to someone else's house and they serve you pie? Well, I have to tell you, Adam, that I can't eat it. Why? I have celiac disease. Oh, I didn't know that you couldn't eat pie. I don't eat anything that I bake. Whoa, we kind of missed a huge part of this story here. Okay. This is so, a practice for me. This is a, it's, it is a practice for me to teach, to make, to give. Hmm. And I, uh, I do make uh, gluten-free pies, which I do eat. So when I found out in 2006 that I had celiac disease, I had been making pies forever. And I thought, oh my God, what do I do now? And my, the, the obvious answer was, well, learn how to make uh, the best darn gluten-free pie that you can. Mm -hmm. And in those days, we didn't have the off-the-shelf pie mixes or the off-the-shelf flours that we have now, the gluten-free AP flours. So I was, it I did a year of just learning, uh, you know, about those, a year of, of studying of how to make gluten-free pie. And now, uh, now I use off-the-shelf stuff, which is great. Wow. But on the, um, you know, when I go to somebody else's house, if it's not, a, if it's not gluten-free, um, I don't eat it. And, but I'm usually the one who's bringing the pie. And right. You yeah. just don't eat your own pie. By the way, I'm just going to take a little second. Um, it sounds like there's like wind blowing on your there's microphone. A, there's a... Um, it figures that the day we're doing this, there's some jets that have flown and there's a little uh, airport that's five minutes. Got from it. I just want to make sure that it wasn't like an so air conditioner sorry. or something. No, no, no. It's no. fine. I just want to make sure. Um, well, in terms of not being able to eat your own pies, I guess that is a practice. So are you a sweets person in general? I mean, did you have to give up a lot when you were diagnosed with celiac? Oh, gosh. I think I didn't want to give up anything because when I was diagnosed with that, I saw my baking life just like, you know, mm -hmm. like go be, it, it, it rolled out in my mind. Like, well, I can remember exactly where I was when I heard the news, you know, it's like, oh my God, what am I going to do now? And mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't eat a lot of sweets. Uh, you know, my favorite was I was a bread maker. I loved kneading bread. I loved the whole process of getting up early in the morning and making, you know, six loaves of bread, you know, once a week for my family. Mm -hmm. And I saw all of that just like, oh, I can't do that anymore because there's nothing, you know, like um, feeling that 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 dough in your hands and, you know, smelling the yeast. You know, mm -hmm. like that. So um I don't know. What was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But, but it's interesting. I, I, on a more positive note, because I have friends that have celiac. And did, did you feel much better, though, once you took oh, yeah. out of your diet? Yeah. I didn't know. I, I didn't know I was sick. Yeah. I truly did not know. And I think I probably had this from the time I was a little girl. Wow. So you must felt, have felt like a totally oh, new person. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I still on occasion, I get gluten and it's like just having like a bad hangover. Just don't ask me to 
answer any questions or sign any documents on those. Right. When you have gluten, you're not the first baker that I've spoken to who's had this experience. You know, Lisa Donovan, um, she's a pastry chef or a baker from um, the South. Like she worked at uh, Sean Brock's Husk and she wrote a book called Our Lady of Perpetual Hunger. But she too was- I um, I read her book. Yes. And she too was diagnosed. I don't think, I don't know if it was celiac, but she can't eat her own baking. Um, So that's kind of a thing. Well, but I think sometimes when we're working- either as a baker of, you know, I'm just, I'm a home baker and a home cook. I'm not a, I've never sold a pie in my life. I never will. I give them away. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and I think that's it. You know, we love doing this because we love feeding people. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, whether I can eat it or not really doesn't matter because I am, I am nourished in a different way when yes. you come, which I hope you will. I'd love to I can share pie making with you or give you a pie for you and your husband to share. That's what feeds me. That's sure. what makes me happy. I understand that. I think a lot of food people have that same quality where it's not necessarily, I mean, I can speak to that right now because my husband's in New York working on a project and cooking for myself doesn't feel the same as it does cooking for him and having people over and cooking for others. So I know what you're talking about. Um, Well, my final question to you is, oh, what were we going to say? I'm going to close this window. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Here another one. Okay. Oh, that's good. We, it only, honestly, it only really came up during, um, unfortunately, when you were talking about celiac, but we'll get through it. It's fine. Um, Well, this is just a fun final question. If you were to only be able to make three kinds of pies and all other pies were going to be forbidden to you, which three pies would you make? Peach. Peach. Um, Chicken and leek. Whoa. Okay. I did not see that coming. Okay. Number two. Pot pie with leeks. A third one. Um, hmm. Oh, I think banana cream. <laughs> banana cream. That sounds delicious. I had, isn't there like a famous one in Seattle? Oh, that's coconut cream. I oh, the that. coconut cream. That's at Tom Douglas's at yes. the Daria Bakery. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. That one's got, and I, I looked up the recipe and it's got like so much cream and butter. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's very good. It's very good. Yeah. <laughs> so banana, um, chicken and leek. We didn't really get into savory pies, but maybe we'll save that for next time. And yeah. peach. Well, I think I'm going to bake a peach pie. I don't know if I could do it this weekend unless I do gluten free, but I've never made a peach pie before. So I'm very inspired. They're very juicy. Put in some extra thickener. I will. Well, Kate, this was a wonderful interview. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. You're so welcome. And I can't wait to have you come to Pie Cottage and visit. I am, I, I, my, my in-laws live in Bellingham, Washington, so it's not that far. So I think it's very possible. Well, have a great rest of your day and thanks again. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you enjoyed it, please go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a nice review. That actually really, really helps. Um, Also, if you want to follow along with my cooking adventures, be sure to subscribe to my newsletter, the Amateur Gourmet newsletter, amateurgourmet.substack.com, and follow me on Instagram at amateurgourmet and Twitter at amateurgourmet. All right, I'll see you back here next week. Have a good one.